Hi, folks. This is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. This week, we're here with my friend, Dr. Tom O'Brien. And among other things, you're going to learn about the hidden sources of gluten in your diet, autoimmune disease, and how to properly order at a restaurant without sacrificing your health. Before we get to the show, though, I have one last reminder about a ridiculous giveaway we're running right now. We're giving away $1,000 to spend on real food. I'll tell you how to enter in just a second. And a quick note, for now, this is only for U.S. listeners, but if you're listening from across the pond, bear with me for just a second, and don't worry, we've got some giveaways coming up for you, too. So one of the biggest comments I get from listeners and readers is that buying real, paleo-friendly, healthy food is either number one, extremely difficult, or number two, way too expensive. So if you're in that boat like we are, you might think that the online shopping club Thrive Market is pretty cool. You've probably heard a lot of other paleo, raw, or even mainstream podcasters or authors talking about Thrive. It's been growing insanely quickly. Thrive is the best-selling 4,000 natural health and wellness products at 25 to 50% below retail prices. So it's kind of like Costco for paleo people, but you don't have to drive there, which is awesome because Allison and I have been ordering from Thrive for the past few months and we love it, especially living way out in the boonies. So we're saving a ton of money on our food bill every month, and we're getting some of our favorite paleo and raw snacks, staples, and spices like chocolate, coconut oil, and nut butter all shipped out to our front door, even though we live way out in the woods. So here's the giveaway alert. We've teamed up with Thrive Market to do an epic giveaway for listeners of Fat Burning Man. You can win a $1,000 shopping spree. That's a lot of chocolate and one of 10 free year-long memberships. Whether you're a first-time purchaser or a current member, you can join the giveaway for your chance to spend $1,000 on real food at Thrive. And if you're new to Thrive, you'll even get 25% off your first purchase, which is pretty awesome considering their food is already half off. So to sign up for the giveaway and get 25% off your first purchase, visit fatburningman.com forward slash Thrive. That's T H R. I-V-E. One last time, that's fatburningman.com forward slash thrive. And once again, this giveaway is only for listeners in the U.S., but hopefully we'll have some goodies for you international folks here soon as well. All right, so on the show with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Dr. Tom shares his 30 years of experience in researching celiac disease and gluten sensitivity and shows you how you can drastically increase your quality of life by getting rid of gluten in your diet. In this show, you'll learn what wheat does to your brain, how to address autoimmune issues with your diet, the surprising places gluten is hiding in your food, how to replace grains in the diet with healthier food, how to order at a restaurant without getting glutened, and much more. All right, let's go hang out with Dr. Tom. All right, folks, I'm very happy to be here today with Dr. Tom O'Brien, who's an internationally recognized speaker and workshop leader specializing in the complications of non-celiac gluten sensitivity, celiac disease, and autoimmune disease. He's also a personal friend and one heck of a hiking companion, I got to say. How's it going, Dr. Tom? Really well, really well. Great to be with you, Abel. I'm so happy that you're here. So let's, let's just start by talking about how healthy grains are for us across the board, especially wheat. Can we can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, you know, I've got a I I have a catchy phrase that I usually 
start with for people to get an overview, and that is yeah. that gluten is not bad for you. Mm-hmm. Bad gluten is bad for you. There you go. And in the topic about wheat and gluten sensitivity, it's really the wrong term to say gluten sensitivity because there's gluten in quinoa, there's gluten right. in amaranth, there's gluten in corn, in wheat, rye, and barley. It's the toxic glutens in wheat, rye, and barley that are a problem for all humans. Um, I'll just cut to the chase. Harvard came out with a study earlier this year. Uh, Dr. Alessio Fasano at Harvard, who chairs the Department of Pediatric Gastroenterology, mm-hmm. and they showed, they looked at four different groups. They looked at people with celiac disease, and that's when you have a gluten sensitivity that's affecting your gut. Mm-hmm. They looked at people with non-celiac gluten sensitivity, and that's when you have a problem with uh, wheat and it's affecting your brain or your heart or your liver or some other area than your gut. They looked at people with celiac disease who had been on a gluten-free diet for at least two years, and they looked at people that did not have a problem with wheat. So four mm-hmm. different groups. So what they find? All four groups. When they eat wheat, it turns the genes on for intestinal permeability hmm. in everyone. Yeah. And one of the statements they made in their research paper was that uh, gluten activates intestinal permeability in all humans. Hmm. And that just that just came out earlier this year. That means everyone, whether you feel that you have a problem or not, mm-hmm. when we eat wheat, it's triggering this process that causes the leaky gut intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. Now, th- the problem with intestinal permeability is that it's the gateway into the development of autoimmune diseases, which means MS or rheumatoid arthritis or uh, psoriasis or mm-hmm. loss of your hair, alopecia, um, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. The gateway in the t- in the development of all these diseases is through a leaky gut. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating grains, if you're eating the type of grains that activate intestinal permeability, corn does it also yeah. in most people. There's not been a study that said everyone, unless it's GMO corn, and then everyone has the activation of the intestinal permeability. So if you're eating these foods that cause permeability, the fastest growing cells in the body are the inside lining of the intestines. Every three to seven days, we have a new lining to our intestines. It's like the skin of a snake. You just kind of shed it off. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens? You eat toast for breakfast. You tear the lining of your gut, intestinal permeability, but it heals. You have a sandwich for lunch. You tear the lining, but it heals. You have pasta for dinner. You tear the lining, but it heals. You have croutons on your salad. You tear the lining, but it heals. This goes on day after day after day after day until one day you don't heal anymore. It's called a loss of oral tolerance. And when you cross that imaginary line, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. When you cross that point, now you get pathogenic intestinal permeability and you open the gateway into the development of autoimmune diseases. Mm Mm-hmm. So at that point, it's a different thing when you're removing gluten and, and grains from your diet. It's almost like a lifelong necessity. Am I, am I hearing that right? If you have the sensitivity, if you have the sensitivity to gluten, which is diagnosed by a blood test, mm-hmm. if you have it, it's a lifelong problem. You can't have a little gluten once in a while. Mm-hmm. That's like saying I can be a little pregnant. Right. <laughs> no, no, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> Now, the only grain that we know of that is lifelong is wheat. 
That's mm -hmm. the only one for which the studies are very clear okay. that the immune system has what are called memory B cells. And your body makes memory B cells to wheat. We don't know if it makes memory B cells to any other foods, whether it's eggs or peanuts or other grains. There, as far as I know, there's no science that's identified that yet. Mm -hmm. But with wheat, we know it's a slam dunk. It's lifelong. Now, wheat is kind of, it's a big term, right? And, and you can say wheat in America, it'll mean a different thing than if, if you're talking about wheat in Europe or if you're talking about wheat 50 to 100 years ago. Uh, what, what went wrong? Why is wheat so problematic now? That's a really good question. And although it is true, it's called the 50-50 rule. In the last 50 years, the gluten content of wheat, gluten is a protein mm -hmm. in wheat, the gluten content has gone up by over 50%. So gluten means glue. And so there's more glue in the wheat today than there used to be. Why is that important? When you're baking bread, you want the bread to rise. And so you have to stretch it but you don't want it to collapse. Mm -hmm. And the more gluten that's in it, the more it can stretch. So the lighter your muffins, the lighter your cakes or your breads. Mm -hmm. So in the last 50 years, there's much more gluten in the wheat than ever before. But scientists are pretty clear now, not pretty clear, they're very clear. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what's caused the problem. And it's not the GMO. Yes, it's true that, uh, Wheat farmers in America now spray their crops with the chemical glyphosate. Mm -hmm. That's the GMO-associated chemical. They spray their wheat crops with glyphosate two or three weeks before they harvest because it kills the wheat. And when you kill the wheat, it dries out a little bit. It doesn't plug up their combines mm -hmm. when they're harvesting. So that's true. And there's glyphosate residue in most of the wheat products in the U.S. today. I can't speak for the rest of the world. I don't know. Sure. That, that's true, but that's not why there's so much more of a problem today than ever before. The reason that there's a problem today more than ever before, it keeps getting worse. More people are getting um, uh, uh, diagnosed, and it's not the better testing. Yes, there is better testing, but that's not it. Because they took... Um, uh, in the early 1950s, they found 9,700 blood samples of Air Force personnel. I'm sorry. In 1998, they found 9,700 blood samples of Air Force personnel from the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare to find blood that's been frozen and still good 60 years later. Yeah. It's really rare to get that. I mean, this was a treasure trove. <laughs> if you're a researcher, you just died and went to heaven. Right. I mean, you've got you got all this blood to research and look at how people, how healthy they were 60 years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. here's the slam dunk tools to do that with. What did they find? So they looked at these Air Force personnel, almost all men, because there weren't many women in the Air Force in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And they looked at their blood to see if they had any signs of celiac disease and did not know it. There are blood markers for that. So they found there was a certain number of people that had the markers for celiac disease. It's called silent celiac disease. They didn't know they have it. Mm -hmm. And then they went to Humboldt County. That's where Mayo Clinic is. And they took 9,000 plus young men of the same age bracket who came in for physicals, healthy guys that came in for physicals. And they looked at their blood to see, did they have these markers for silent celiac disease? And what did they find? 
They found that the men today, four times more men, young men, have the markers for silent celiac disease than in the 1950s. Hmm. It's a fourfold increase. It's huge, the increase. And because these were Air Force personnel in the 1950s, they were in the VA system, they looked at their health records throughout their entire life. How long did they live? What did they die from? And we know the projections today, if you're diagnosed with celiac disease, what your projected lifespan is and what you might die from. Mm -hmm. And they found that there's a fourfold increase in early death compared wow. to the 1950s. So four times more people are getting it today than in the 1950s, and they're dying much earlier than they did back in the 1950s. It's so it's getting life. worse. There is yeah. no question it's getting worse. So the, now, now the question of why. It's called loss of oral tolerance. What that means, when I eat a piece of celery, chew it up, swallow it down, you have an immune system in your gut, 70 to 80% of your immune system's in your gut, and this is why it's there, because mm -hmm. the place where you're going to get the most threat to your survival is in the food and the beverages you drink. Mm -hmm. So most of your immune system, you know, the immune system is the armed forces. It's there to protect you. There's an army, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Navy. Yeah. They're there to protect you. So most of the protectors need to be where most of the threat is. And most of the threat for us as humans is in the foods that we choose to eat and the beverages we choose to drink. Mm -hmm. So you eat a piece of celery and it goes down and the centuries, they're called antigen presenting cells, the centuries that are just inside the small intestine, just past the stomach, the centuries say, oh, that's celery, that's fine. Oh, that's chicken, that's fine. Move along. Oh, wait, that's, that's Klebsiella, that's not good for you, we better fight that. Mm -hmm. And then the immune system gets activated to fight the bacteria called Klebsiella, if you had some Klebsiella in your food. You know, none of the food you eat is sterile. Right. Unless, unless you nuke it, then mm -hmm. it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there, there are enzymes and vitamins and minerals in your food. And so your body is always screening every forkful of what you put in your mouth. Every forkful is either inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. It's going to strengthen you or it's going to weaken you. There are no neutrals except healthy water. That's the only neutral. Mm -hmm. So your body is screening all of this. And because of the diets that we eat today with the Coca-Colas and the Twinkies and the cookies and cupcakes and the garbage food that we eat, the deep fried foods, the mm -hmm. sliders, you know, the Big Macs, uh, because of all the garbage we've eaten for so long, your immune system in the gut is fighting many, many different things that you're eating all the time. Mm -hmm. Many, many. It's, it's hypervigilant. It's like security guards that are having to fight off invaders all the time, all the time. After a while, they become a little trigger happy. Yeah. And gluten in wheat, rye and barley, it's a mild to moderate toxin. It's not a severe toxin for most people. It's mm -hmm. mild. It's not good for you, but it's mild. But when you cross that imaginary threshold, when your immune system is now hypervigilant, trigger happy, and firing too soon and too quickly, what happens, gluten comes down, and those centuries are just so hypervigilant, they go, Pew! and they fight the gluten. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you make the memory beat, because they, they, they just can't take any more insult, even a minor insult. No, can't do it. Get rid of that. <laughs> can't let that in. 
And so it's called loss of oral tolerance. That's why there's such a huge increase in the number of people that are recognizing they have a sensitivity to gluten mm -hmm. because when they take gluten out of their diets, they feel better. Yeah. Their migraines go away. Their attention deficit, the, the, the um, teachers tell the parents the new drugs you're giving your child are working very well. Mm -hmm. They're much better in class. They're more behaved. And the parents say, we didn't give him a drug. He's on a gluten-free diet. Hmm. And then the teacher doesn't know what to say except, well, okay, thank, um, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Right? But So it's the loss of oral tolerance, Abel. That's why it's so much more prevalent today than it ever has been in the past. Interesting. So it's, yeah, because when you think back to the 1950s, right, you, you're having a, a big beef roast and some cabbage and some potatoes or whatever, and you're enjoying some coffee and some pie at the diner and not necessarily that big of a deal. When you look at, at people in, in pictures decades ago or wartime pictures, a lot of times a clear complexion, relatively trim, uh, being obese is certainly not the norm like it is today right. in a lot of cases. Right. But it sounds like what you're saying, when you're having cereal for breakfast, something that's you know deep fried or coming from a container or has some sort of wheat coating around it, and then you're eating in whatever dessert you have, whether it's pure gluten or whether it has gluten or wheat kind of put in there for whatever reason, you're being exposed yeah. to it constantly and consistently and there's a threshold that you pass and at some point your body kind of gives up that's exactly right and it can be when you're two months old two years old 20 years old 62 years old it just depends on when you cross that imaginary line wherever mm -hmm. that is and the straw that broke the camel's back you know it's so fascinating because uh we always made fun front <laughs> we made a lot of fun of one of uh the guys in our band in college and he was a drummer and you know, very, very lean, thin, healthy looking. And of course it was college. So everyone's drinking beer and he couldn't because he had celiac disease. But when you looked at his health and his energy, it was amazing. It was like the running joke that he was always the Superman or something. And we were all you know, slogging <laughs> along. Uh, and, and it's fascinating to see, because I, I certainly didn't have the sensitivity to it that I do now or, or the attention for being like, why is this guy so healthy when everyone else is is not. And when you look at the people who uh, have this this sort of problem from a young age, the way that they age over time is really interesting because a lot of them are looking so good because they've been avoiding the bad stuff for so long and it's cum cumulative. You're absolutely right. You know, and that's a, a big topic that I'm on the lecture circuit now talking about is what happens when you've had a gluten sensitivity unrecognized for a long time. Right. You wear your system out mm -hmm. and you wear out the system that produces antioxidants in your body so that your glutathione levels, which is the master antioxidant, mm -hmm. your glutathione levels are low. Even if you take the supplements that are supposed to help increase glutathione levels, your, uh, those people's bodies, they're very sluggish in increasing glutathione. It's, the body's very resistant because the whole system has been worn out from having this inflammation every day from the food that you're eating, not knowing or not caring mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to eat that food. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that gluten is present in, in not just wheat, but a lot of other things as well. So what about, you know, rye, barley, or spelt, teff, quinoa, things like that. What are, what are the implications from your research 
how do you feel about those grains and pseudo grains? Right. Well, the family of wheat includes spelt and teff. No, mm-hmm. excuse me, not teff. Uh, spelt, couscous, um, couscous. Uh, salt, uh, rye, and barley. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I say gluten's not bad for you. Bad gluten's bad for you. That right. that particular family, no human can digest them. No human. So they cause inflammation in everyone. Everyone. The other grains like um, quinoa, amaranth, those particular grains. Um, and here we may differ. I'm not quite sure what your official position is, but this my isn't opinion. Politics. <laughs> My, my position is some people do really, really well on a grain-free diet. Mm-hmm. They, they thrive. And over years, they thrive. It just really works for them, especially blood type O's, mm-hmm. especially that blood type. Other people will benefit from having a little bit of grains in their diet, high-quality, nutrient-dense grains mm-hmm. in their diet, like some rice or some quinoa. And cultures have thrived on grains for um, centuries. So- some people will benefit from having a small percentage of their diet, including grains. But clearly, where the vast majority of our emphasis should be in our food selections is on high-quality proteins and vegetables. Right. That's the bottom line for all of us. So that doesn't My, sound like the food pyramid or the, or the food plate that a lot of us well, are familiar politics. with. And yeah, yeah, the food pyramid is all politics. And uh, it's been disproven. Mm-hmm. So many times now, but when you're trying to change politics in Washington in terms of what the official position is, and then so what teachers are teaching in grade school mm-hmm. uh, and high schools, it's it's a um, uphill battle. I'll, I'll say it that way. It's sure. really tough. Sure. So I've had uh, a few people on the show multiple times, actually, uh, Dr. Perlmutter, uh, Dr. William Davis, lots of people who have have spilled the beans on grains in a lot of cases, but I'm curious as to your perspective on the way that you, that grains used to be um, processed or not processed as the case may be, you know, fermenting on the chaff, for example, or creating sourdough bread, as opposed to these, you know, hyper processed breads that we have now, what, to what extent does processing enter into the equation of, of health from your perspective? The more you alter a food, the less your body is able to use that food. Mm-hmm. Just bottom line, um, we're supposed to eat food that grows on planet Earth. And of course, you, know, uh, you, you, you have to harvest and you have to prepare the foods in a way that sometimes you have to modify them a little bit. But the more they're modified, the more likely more people will have a problem with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Perlmutter and Dr. Davis are both friends and um, we agree on, uh, almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I take the opinion and this really is just a personal opinion. I've not seen any hard science on this, but my personal opinion is some people will do well with whole grains on occasion. doesn't seem to be a problem. The immune system doesn't get activated. Mm-hmm. Their bodies feel good on them. Some people, uh, others will take the position that, you know, you don't need any grains. And that's a more radical position yeah. that's got a lot of science behind the value of it for some people. Uh, but for uh, Bill Davis and David Perlmutter, I believe we're on the same page in most of what we recommend, which is 
high quality proteins, mm-hmm. high quality fats, lots of good high quality fat in your diet and a ton of vegetables. Yeah. I, it's hard to argue with that, but so many people do. <laughs> I'm, I'm always shocked. I know. I know. I know. It's like, really? Really? <laughs> like, like this guy that just wrote a book called The Gluten Lie. Uh-huh. And uh, 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 it's like, really, man? And when he... Uh, <laughs> That's when, the quote. In, that is a tweetable right there. <laughs> in his book, so what, what he says in his book um, we really don't agree much or um, we don't disagree very much. He said, you know, people shouldn't go on fad diets sure, because um, they yo-yo from one fad diet to another fad diet. And I agree with that. I think uh, when I'm asked who should go on a gluten-free diet, uh, my response is always the same. People who are, well, first, the bottom line is get the blood test done to find out mm-hmm. if you have a sensitivity to gluten. Now, there's only one blood test that's really accurate. And all that information is on my website. We'll tell you about it before the end of the show. You know, I've got, I, I wrote a, a, um, a handout that explains, take this to your doctor to get mm-hmm. the right blood test. If you get the wrong blood test, you get the wrong answers. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is, who should go on a gluten-free diet? People who, whose immune system are saying, we've got a problem here. Right. So if your immune system is saying that, you can't argue with that, right? The second group are people that cannot or do do not want to do the blood test, then those that aren't feeling like a million bucks, you know, they're, they're trying hard to be healthy. They're making good food selections in general. They're eating healthy foods They're staying away from bad foods, Mm -hmm. but their body still isn't quite giving them the performance they wanted to, or those that have a, um, uh, sibling or a a first degree relative with a sensitivity to gluten. Mm -hmm. And those that have autoimmune diseases or a family member with autoimmune diseases, those are the people that should consider a gluten-free diet. So first, the blood test, absolutely, you're gluten-free if it comes back positive. If you're not doing the blood test, how your body's functioning and family history Mm -hmm. of gluten sensitivity or family history of autoimmune diseases, those are the people that should give at least a three-week trial to a gluten-free diet. And in my practice, it's always gluten-free, dairy-free for three weeks and just see how you feel. Mm -hmm. Now, if the blood test is positive, it's not a three-week trial. It's a slam dunk. You got a problem here. You're you're done with gluten. But for the others, give it a three-week trial, and those are the groups to, to try it with. When you find out that you're uh, that you do have a problem with gluten, it's kind of a gift in disguise in a lot of ways. I found it uh, it was fascinating because for me, you know, I've been doing this show for for quite quite a few years at this point, and it took a while for my mom, who is extremely health conscious and a, and an herbalist and a nurse practitioner, very into holistic medicine. She had her own practice for a while. It took her a while. It, it wasn't until she heard me interview uh, Dr. Bill Davis that she considered going gluten-free and getting rid of the wheat. And she's a type O, uh, and she had incredible results once she kicked it for, I, I think it was just two or three weeks, she'd been hanging on to you know a stubborn eight pounds or so that she really wanted to get rid of for years, and it just came right off. She, yeah. you, you could see it in her face that it, it made a huge difference. And ever since, you know, every once in a while, people splurge or whatever, but 
you kind of realize it's like you go without drinking for long enough and all of a sudden the hangover, you forgot how bad it was. And a similar thing seems to happen with, with wheat. But where does that leave you? You know, are, are you sensitive yourself? How do you navigate a world that has hidden, you know, toxins basically everywhere around us in, in our food supply? That's a really good question. You know, my sister and I were at a restaurant, J. Alexander's in Detroit. And it's a national chain. It's nice, kind of up, upscale, more upscale restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the waiter came over and we said, we're both gluten-free. Oh, no problem. We can modify any dish to be gluten-free for you. So we were hopeful because he was quick and he had been trained and um, confident in what he was saying. So she ordered a um, uh, piece of fish, just grilled piece of fish with a little olive oil, garlic, and sea salt on it. Mm-hmm. And I said uh, to the waiter, how is that served? He said, oh, it's served on a bed of rice with some root vegetables on the side. So, all right, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Just tell the chef we need to make sure everything is gluten-free. So, oh, yes, no problem. It is. I said, I understand. Please tell the chef. Yeah. And I, I kind of directed it and said, oh, okay, I will. Because you know, the guy was being confident, but I've had right. past, past yeah. experiences. <laughs> so he comes back and he says, oh, I'm so sorry. The chef puts a scoop of flour in the rice. Mm. So all the rice dishes at J. Alexander's have flour in them. Mm -hmm. How would you ever know that? Right. You'd never know, right? And so three of the last seven sushi restaurants that I've been in, I've done the same thing. And three times they've come back and said, oh, yes, the chef puts flour in the sushi rice. In the sushi rice. Because it makes it more sticky. Yeah. How about that? The glue. I didn't know that. so you ask me, how do I deal with this? You have to be direct. Mm-hmm. You have to be direct with the waiters and the, the wait staff. And even when you're direct, sometimes you know, say, so I'm gluten-free. Please make sure there's no gluten in my meal. I say, okay, no problem, ma'am. But that waiter would not have gone back to ask the chef at J. Alexander's unless sure. I looked him in the eye and I said, please tell the, sh- tell the chef we need to make sure everything is gluten-free. And I was direct. Yeah. I didn't say please tell the chef, you know, that I can't have any gluten. You know, you don't kowtow. You just lift your chest, be direct, <laughs> look him in the eye so that he'll carry your representation back to the chef. Yeah. Because here's the problem with all of that. They did a study of 1,000, uh, I think it's 1,700 or 1,009. No, no, it's 1,300. 1,300 celiac patients. Mm -hmm. Celiac is gluten sensitivity affecting the gut. 1,300 and 3,300 of their first-degree relatives as their parents and their siblings. They followed them for over 20 years. And every year they got copies of their blood tests when they went to their doctors. They got all the medical records. The people, all all 5,000 people filled out questionnaires. How, How have you felt this last year? How's your health? Have you had any gluten? How often have you had gluten? Are you cheating once in a while? How do you cheat? Are you really strict about this? So they had these, all this information for over 20 years on these 5,000 people. What did they find? The standard mortality ratio in celiac disease is two to one. What that means, I'm 63. If I have celiac disease and my brother is 62, he does not have celiac disease, I'm twice as likely to die at 63 of something, Hmm. heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, than when my brother gets to be 63. 
I'm twice as likely to die at 32 than when my brother gets to be 32. I'm twice as likely to die at 90 than when my brother gets to be 90. Two to one. That's celiac. That's with or without a gluten-free diet. They still yeah. die early. Wow. That's a whole nother discussion as to why. Sure. But they followed these people for 20 years. What did they find? Those that were really strict on following the gluten-free diet, their SMR, their standard mortality ratio, was much less. It was as low as 0.5, half right. as often instead of twice as often. Right. Because they're really stringent to take care of themselves, like your mom. Yeah. They're healthier, vibrant. They got more energy. They're just mm -hmm. ready to go, mm -hmm. right? Those that were not strict in following the gluten-free diet defined as eating gluten once per month. Wow. Once a month. Increase their relative risk of early death by six-fold. Their SMR was six to one. Yeah. Once a month. Now, is, is that dose-dependent, though? What's the difference no. between, no. you know, no. a little bit of sushi rice and eating a, a bagel? Really good question. When, when you get a vaccination for measles, they give you a shot of the bug measles. Mm -hmm. And your brain says, whoa, what's this? This is not good for me. Yo, general. And in your immune system, you've got Army, Air Force, Marine Corps generals sitting around with nothing to do. General, you're now general gluten, or excuse me, you're now general measles. <laughs> Take care of this. Right. General measles builds an assembly line. The assembly line starts producing soldiers that are trained as assassins to go after measles. They're called antibodies. So now you've got antibodies going all through your bloodstream. Remember, the blood's just a big highway with no lanes of traffic and mm -hmm. everything's bouncing around in there, but it's all going the same direction, right? So now you've got these soldiers out there looking for measles and firing their chemical bullets called cytokines to destroy the measles from the vaccination. Mm -hmm. General measles is watching this. When all of the measles bugs from the vaccination have been destroyed, General measles says, okay, turn off the assembly line. We don't need more soldiers out here right now. You shouldn't have antibodies to measles in your bloodstream right now, mm -hmm. unless you've been exposed, right. but, and then you should. But General measles is vigilant the rest of his life. Hmm. The rest of his life, if you're ever exposed to measles, General Measles just has to flip the switch. He doesn't have to build the assembly line that takes months. He yeah. just has to flip the switch to turn it on, and you've got antibodies in a couple of days. Wow. Because, because you've been exposed to measles. That's why we get vaccinations. That's why if you go to Africa, you need vaccinations months and months ahead of time for right. yellow fever and dengue fever and all these crazy things, right? If you go back 15 or 20 years later to visit again, you just need a booster shot mm -hmm. two weeks before you go. Have you ever heard of booster shots? Sure. Just You're just waking up general yellow fever. Get the antibodies <laughs> back out there again, right? It's been napping too long. That's right. That's right. So if you have a sensitivity to gluten, you've got general gluten. They're called memory B cells. They never go away. Mm -hmm. Memory B cells are there to protect you for the rest of your life. So if you get an exposure to gluten, one exposure, and how much does it take? How much measles bugs does it take to activate measles? Mm -hmm. what, what, what immunologists tell us is one one thousandth of the dosage. So wow. you just breathe, you breathe in some air with measles bugs because you're around somebody with measles, and that's enough to activate general measles. Gluten's the same way. You get a little flour in the sushi rice, mm -hmm. 
if the antigen presenting cells in the small intestine say, oh, wait, that's gluten, boom, the circuit gets turned on. And then for three to six months, you've got elevated antibodies from one exposure. Wow. And, and you're so right about the way that you need to order at a restaurant. Uh, because I can't tell you how many times we've, we've said, you know, we eat gluten-free. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Then they bring us bread. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> First thing they do. <laughs> that, that has happened so many times. And I, I think, you know, as, as going gluten-free becomes more and more fashionable, people uh, become more lax about it, right? It, it, on one hand, it's fantastic that you can go to so many, especially higher-end restaurants these days, and they have a gluten-free menu. Um, but I'd love to ask you a little bit more because I didn't know about the sushi rice thing, although that totally makes sense. I have heard them sneaking MSG and all sorts of chemicals or whatever into it in some in some cases, uh, especially big batches of rice. But what are some other hidden sources of seemingly safe foods that might have gluten in them? Your vitamins. Vitamins. Your, your drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, your cosmetics. Your shampoo. Your lipstick. Now, I don't know about your lipstick, Abel. I think it's probably gluten-free, but I for get most a peck people... peck on the cheek every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, uh, uh, anything that flour might be using, like gravy or sauces. Right. Or, you know, I, I had a filet last night, and it was going to be served um, uh, with a uh, uh, wine reduction. Uh, mm. I said, well, ask the chef if there's any flour in the reduction. Oh, it's like a roux. And right. And, and there was, there was, yeah. I said, all right, I'll just, I'll have it with some sea salt and it was great. Right. But, um, it, it can be hidden in so many, we have a whole list on our website, of uh, hidden sources of gluten. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of them, hundreds. Yeah. It really, it really is an issue, you know, cause P- and for some people, you know, if they get an exposure, um, it's not too bad. They get a little tired. They may get a headache. For other people, they get a little exposure, and it can be as bad as a peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be really severe. Yeah. Uh, that's why, I'm, and there's no way to protect yourself out there 100% safe. There is no way. Um, that's why I spent years to come up with a digestive enzyme, and I'm not here to sell any products, but, you know, uh, uh, this is something that saves people's lives and their their uh, sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. So there's information on my website about all that. Uh, how do you protect yourself when you're out shopping or you're out eating? Or someone how, how spills a beer it? on you. <laughs> someone spills a beer on you, right? And it's such a um, it's it's a threatening world and it's overwhelming for people. What, first thing, people, uh, what, what happens for most people is that they recognize, well, maybe I've got a problem with this. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. So they check it out and they find out they've got a problem. Now they start to dive into it and they're overwhelmed. Right. By the magnitude of this and how do you be squeaky clean to not have any exposures whatsoever? It's overwhelming. Yeah. And and you really want someone to work with. That's why I train practitioners, healthcare practitioners. I have something called the Certified Gluten Practitioner Program. Mm-hmm. And these doctors spend two days with me and nutritionists and acupuncturists. Uh, we've got about 450 now around the country. Wow. And there's, there, there's a map on my website as to where they are. But these people are well-trained to guide you through how do you dive into this new world to help your body be stronger and healthier long-term. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this because we're coming up on time. I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are curious about, okay, so it sounds like this could be 
an issue, but I've never really thought about it that much before. What is a transformation that you've seen from someone who may not have thought that they had a problem uh, to, you know, taking gluten out of their diet and being sensitive to it in the way that they live their lives and, and on guard against it? How did they end up? What, what happened in between? I'm going to give you a couple of examples here uh, for that one. Um, a three and a half year old girl was taken to the ophthalmologist because there was something in her eye. And they looked at it, it was a large tumor on the conjunctiva, that's the covering of the eye. Mm -hmm. um, and it was diagnosed as Kaposi sarcoma. That's HIV, that's a tumor from AIDS. Wow. Yeah, three and a half years old. The child had been um, diagnosed just two weeks earlier with celiac disease. And they did an endoscopy, that's where you put a tube down the mouth, down to, uh, uh, to the, through the stomach to the small intestine, snip out a little piece of tissue and look at it under a microscope to see, yep, she's got celiac. Mm -hmm. And they put her under a general anesthetic for that. And she um, had a bad reaction to the general anesthetic. She didn't feel good for a while. So the ophthalmologist now, two weeks later, they want to do um, a biopsy of the eye. So they want to put her under a general anesthetic. The parents said, no, we're going to wait a couple of weeks until she calms down a little bit more. But they, they had instituted a gluten-free diet. So the ophthalmologist wrote in the paper, in the research paper, we hope that they come back to us in time, you know, so we'll just wait. There's nothing they could do. So the parents come back a month later. And so there's a picture of the tumor in the research paper. So there's the eyeball. And there's a big tumor above the pupil of the eye. A month later, the tumor is smaller. Two months later, the tumor is gone. Wow. From a gluten-free diet. Yeah. And, yeah. and the ophthalmologist wrote, we've never seen anything like this, but apparently we need to start checking all of our conjunctival tumor patients for a sensitivity to gluten. Wow. Because that's where it manifested for this three-year-old. Sure. You pull at a chain, the chain always breaks at the weakest link. Mm -hmm. It's going to be at one end, the middle, the other end. It's your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys. Wherever your weak link is, you pull at the chain, that's where it's going to break, right? Yeah. So inflammation, we, we know that all diseases are inflammation at the cellular level. They're always inflammation. Inflammation is the pull on the chain. So wherever the weak link is, that's where the chain's going to break when there's too much inflammation. Maybe it's your heart and you have a heart attack. Maybe it's your uh, liver and you get liver cancer. Wherever mm -hmm. the weak link is, the more you pull the more likely you're going to have a problem at that weak link. Mm -hmm. Gluten is gasoline on the fire of inflammation. It, it triggers the inflammation. It roars up the inflammation throughout your body. Mm -hmm. So wherever your weak link is, that's where your symptoms are going to be. Mm -hmm. That's why my two-day seminar, we have children with, it's called idiopathic juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. They don't know why these kids get this arthritis where their joints are starting to lend their severe pain. Yeah. Sometimes it goes away on a gluten-free diet. Another patient who's had two miscarriages, you put her on a gluten-free diet, she has a healthy baby and a healthy pregnancy and healthy delivery, mm -hmm. healthy baby. The next one, attention deficit. The study of 132 kids with attention deficit, every child improved in all 12 markers of attention deficit on a gluten-free diet. Every child within six months fails to pay attention, 
um, interrupts frequently, blurts out answers, can't sit still. Every marker improved in every child on a gluten-free diet because their brain was the weak link in their chain. Mm -hmm. It just depends on where the, my godmother died of liver cancer. And before she died, we found out it was from celiac disease. Wow. And Mayo Clinic has the studies showing the correlation. So mm-hmm. wherever the weak link is, that's where it's going to manifest. So if you eat a sandwich and you say, I feel fine, but you notice that, you know, you're getting more of a bird brain in your life, you know, that you're not remembering the way you used to, or yeah. uh, you, you, you can't, uh, where did I put my keys? Or you find that your brain's not firing on all eight cylinders anymore. That may be the weak link in your chain. Mm-hmm. I've got a paper that I just downloaded yesterday. It just came in, brand new paper, hot off the press, about non-celiac gluten sensitivity triggering neuroinflammation and dementia. So it's the association now between a sensitivity to gluten without celiac disease yeah. and Alzheimer's. Yeah. And it identifies the mechanism by which it occurs. So it just depends, Abel, for your listening audience Wherever your weak link is, that's where it's going to manifest. Mm -hmm. So you eat gluten and you don't feel a problem, but if you're producing antibodies attacking your kidneys, you're going to get kidney disease somewhere down the road. Hmm. Brutal. So wait, so you take gluten and wheat out of your diet. What do you put in? How do you crowd that out? Because, you know, for a lot of people, especially if you are eating a sandwich and you are eating a bagel or cereal, and then for dinner, you might have some pasta or or something else like that. You know, that's a gaping hole in in most people, the standard American diet, right? So what would be, if people are considering, you know, kind of trending in this direction, how do you crowd that stuff out? Well, that's a really good question. This is not to blow smoke your way, but uh, you're, you're, you're a leader in this. And that is the paleo world has come up with so many options now. Mm-hmm. This restaurant just opened up real close to me called Good Anya. And they're paleo oriented and they've got coconut wraps. They oh, have cool. so like in, instead of a corn tortilla, they've got coconut tortillas. Sure. So my, my breakfast there is um, eggs and beans and avocado with this really great chipotle type sauce wrapped in a coconut wrap. It's really good. Oh wow. man, it's good. Yeah, I'm salivating I mean, so, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so, um, uh, because more younger people have embraced this and they've taken it out now and just researched, and there are so many options. There's so many paleo cookbooks. That's where mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I tell all of my patients, I say, take a look at the paleo world. I'm mm-hmm. not encouraging you to go paleo. Some people will be exclusively paleo and it's really good for them. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's you or not. You might sure. try it, but there are so many great options in the paleo community, in the cookbooks and the products that are available to be gluten-free. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. There's lots of options for you. That's true. That is such a great point. Well, we're just about out of time, but Dr. Tom, what are you working on now? Where can people find you? My website is thedr.com, thedr.com. And my staff sent over a note to me. I'm supposed to tell you guys, all of you, (laughs) uh, uh, that if you go to my website, if you go to the dr.com forward slash DVD bonus, DVD bonus, that's the dr.com forward slash DVD bonus, We've got a bunch of things for you for educational uh, um, uh, enhancement. First, 
Uh, there's a DVD called Identifying and Conquering Gluten Sensitivity. It's a two-hour talk that I gave to the general public with lots of case studies, lots of visuals, lots, lots of graphics. You, you really get the big picture overview of this. The second one is Unlocking the Mystery of Gluten-Related Disorders. And this is the one where we're going to talk about how do you test for all of this? Take this hand out to your doctor so that he knows how to test you properly because the wrong test um, uh, most doctors do a test for celiac disease, and that's a good test sometimes mm -hmm. for celiac disease, but it's not a good test for gluten sensitivity. Sure. And, and the third one is GS101, Gluten Sensitivity 101, a, a very easy-to-understand interview and education of this thing called gluten. And there are gifts to you, and they're at the dr.com forward slash DVD bonus. Cool. Well, Dr. Tom, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Abel, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Before you go, and if you're listening from the United States, don't forget to sign up for the giveaway for listeners of Fat Burning Man. We've teamed up with Thrive Market to do an epic giveaway. You can win a $1,000 shopping spree and one of 10 free year-long memberships to save a ton of cash on real food. Whether you're a first-time purchaser or a current member, you can join the giveaway for your chance to win a thousand bucks to spend at Thrive on delicious paleo-friendly food like kale chips, nut butter, coconut oil, and my favorite, chocolate. And if you're new to Thrive, you'll even get 25% off your first purchase, which is pretty awesome considering their food is already half off. So to sign up for the giveaway and get 25% off your first purchase, visit fatburningman.com forward slash Thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. That's fatburningman.com forward slash thrive. Once again, this giveaway is only for listeners in the U.S., but don't worry. We've got some international giveaways coming soon, too. This is Abel signing off. Have a great week.